Hey, thanks for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast. Your host this week, myself, Lee, and... Reed. We're here again. It's been four weeks revisiting Nier Automata, and it's... Uh, it's, it's culminating today, everybody. It's, it's come down to this. This is more of a build than any WWE storyline currently, except for Eric Rowan. And the fake uh, spider. And they blew that wad yesterday with a fake spider. But we'll save that for Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Friday show, Sultans of Slam is going to be jam packed, buddy. We got Revolution, we got an AW Dynamite, we got Eric Rohn's Fake Spider, we got it all, baby. Ricochet, whatever. That's yeah, wrestling. Ricochet's burial. This is video games. This is video games. At least I thought it was. Uh, so here we are, near Automata. Hopefully, uh, we'll be eating our words if we're wrong, but we'll we'll meet its end tonight, and we'll uh, we'll reveal the next the next game to go under the microscope. Uh, also worth mentioning, we are recording this a day early, so if something insane happens in the next 24 hours and we're not talking about it on tomorrow's show, you know why. I can't believe Hideo Kojima from a ocean-based uh, cement platform released the COVID-19 virus. I can't believe that was the case. <laughs> uh, but who knows what could happen between now and We played video games this week. We did. Uh, you played through... The exceptional Doom 2016. Yes, it was on sale for super cheap. I've never played it before because typically single player first person shooters just aren't my thing. I get bored no, quick. Yeah. But goddamn, was this a lot this of. Is the opposite of that. This was a goddamn lot of fun. Tour de force. Yeah, not only was it fast, aggressive, I fucking. I always loved the music of Doom. Like, I, like ever since it was released, I always sure. listened to it. Um, but it's just surprising how fun the game was. How. Uh, each weapon has two different firing modes. How you can upgrade your suit. That stuff really kept yeah. it uh, fresh for that me. That game blew everybody away when it came out because it had been working on it for so long. And, like, Doom was just kind of stale at that point. Like, Doom yeah. 3 had come out. They tried to reinvent it as, like, a survival horror game. Uh, and in 2016, they were like, no, 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 fuck that. This needs to be breakneck action like, uh, all the, the time. Yeah, they said that the key yeah. po- components were always moving, no reloading. Yeah. Like push forward combat, they keep calling it. They fucking figured it out. Uh, God damn, was it so much? Fun. Yeah. So uh, the game allows you to use different kill techniques uh, on different enemies in different states to regain your health, ammo, etc. Uh, to just keep you moving forward. If you're standing still, you're dead. Basically, yeah. It's just um, like you drop into a battle arena. So, so we had. I was just talking about Doom like a couple weeks ago. The fact that I tried to play it again and the the frames per second or whatever it is just nauseates the hell out of me to because play that it's game. So many frames. Well, you, like, well like, there's too many frames. It's like the Hobbit movie. I just yeah. throwing up. And what, what's a bummer there is that I really like that game. I got pretty far in it the first time I played it when it came out. Uh, but I just cannot. I, I would have to like set aside a day where I'm just like I'm going to be sick for the rest of the day, or play it late at night and go to sleep. Yeah, because it makes me sick as hell. Thankfully, I did not have that problem whatsoever. Good I for you. Pretty much beat it in a day. Um, fuck. You saved the Mars. One of the funnest days I've had, just regards to playing video games, I've had in a long time. Were you? Did you feel violent afterwards? Uh, you went to McDonald's, backhanded the guy behind <laughs> yeah. the counter. Ripping up your couch. No, but like every video game now I play, I constantly have rip and tear from the from the same uh, from the just OFT. On repeat. I'm just like <laughs> everything is angry. It's fucking great. Yeah, uh, looking so much forward to Doom Eternal now. Yeah, everything they added looks great. The dash. Everyone who's played Doom Eternal has said it makes Doom 2016 unplayable because based on it doesn't have the mobility that that this new game has. Yeah, so and that's that's great to hear. Yes. Um. Yeah. Just one of the best things ever in Doom 2016. Getting the chain gun. Holding L2 into the triple chain gun fucking mode, and you're just mowing everything down as this fucking heavy metal electronic music's blasting in your ear. It's fantastic. Huge Doom 2016. Doom. Game of the year, 2020. Four years ago. <laughs> uh, we'll trade off. I started playing a Warriors Orochi game because I got that Muso itch. Uh, when you just uh, gotta play I've, a Warriors an itch game. I've never no, had. don't start because it'll, it'll come back on you and you'll be like, no, fuck, fuck Musos. Uh, so, Warriors Orochi 4 Ultimate is the most recent release out of Koei Tecmo in the Warriors series. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, Dynasty Warriors, based on Chinese uh, history. history yeah. uh, and then you have Samurai Warriors, which is the same, but for Japan. Yeah. And then the Warriors Orochi series is the non-canon, super dumb anime crossover where portals open and characters from different time periods uh, and allegiances show up. In addition to uh, anime gods that they've made up for this thing, and then you get these crazy magic weapons. So basically... Uh, this is the fun sandbox playground version. Uh, not to be confused with Empires, yeah. which has a whole 
uh, mechanic of actually taking land and strategically it's more taking things over. Strategy based, yeah. yeah. So this one, uh, you make your best team of three characters. There are three different classes: technique, speed, and power. Uh, you're constantly swapping out your team and leveling up characters. You have weapons and stuff to equip. And then the the piece de la resistance here is these magic artifacts you get, which allow you to hold R1 and have three different magic attacks, and they're fucking hilarious. Uh, because it's kind of like, it takes itself semi-seriously in this historical setting, but now you're summoning giant tidal waves and, like, pillars of fire, and kind of along the same lines of what you see in a Fire Emblem or a Hyrule Warriors game, let's say. Uh, so I'm having a lot of fun with it, and, like, the, the engine's working really well, and we were just talking about Earth Defense Force Five, how they finally kind of leveled it out where the game looks good and also runs good and you have all these characters on screen. Yeah. And it's a good fun romp. It's two-player. Uh, having some fun going through that. They they don't only just have the Warriors characters. They also have, like, uh, Ryu Hibusa, the the Ninja Gaiden guys in there uh, and stuff like that. It's fun. Yeah, my, um, my experience with these kinds of games is limited to Hyrule Warriors, which I played very and, little of. And the thing with the Muso games is if you've played one, you have truly played them yeah, all. Yeah, and then I picked uh, up the Berserk one because Berserk's my favorite uh, manga of all time. So that one has the thing where you, like, get the big sword or whatever and you're just, like, mowing just down guys fucking, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, like... But I don't like that type of game, it turns out. I just can't get into it. Um, so there's, like... The, when you get to the higher level play of it, it's kind of the best game to listen to a podcast or watch a YouTube video to. It's it's something that you... The numbers are getting bigger and you're getting something out of, but you truly only need 25% of your focus to actually play a Muzo yeah, game, I think. Um, uh, so they serve their purpose, yeah. I think is what I'm saying. Yeah. Speaking of serving its purpose... That's going to be the segue. Uh, kind of out of the blue yesterday, after a bunch of media events last week, uh, Square Enix has decided, in their infinite wisdom, to drop a Final Fantasy VII Remake demo yeah, on dude. the PlayStation 4. And Reed chomping at the bit, couldn't couldn't wait to get home and download this thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, go that far. <laughs> um. uh, I haven't played it yet. I'll probably play it between now and the next podcast, and I'll kind of let you know my thoughts on it. Uh, Reed, tell us all about it. Um... Like it was pretty much what I expected, I guess. Which is like I there it is, pretty much what you expected. Like just from, it's all, obviously hard to tell from just the demo, but from what I played, like I would be like, yeah, I'll pay full price for this. Pre- um, pretty much, we know what to expect about everything about this game, except for let's say the combat and the pacing of the story. The, the combat now, yeah. I understand, um, and that's one of the things that most surprised me was how difficult this game was. It wasn't just, just gotta get good, man. Yeah, like it's not like <laughs> FF15 where it's hold square to win. Sometimes you might need to warp. Sometimes you might need to do a link attack. It's not like that at all. There's definitely there's a stagger system that's not unlike Final Fantasy 13, where oh, you need to chain attacks and magic <laughs> to build up their stagger meter. Once they do, once they do, they're more susceptible to. It. 15 had that too. Didn't 15 have a stagger mechanic? Yeah, but it wasn't yeah. really predominant. And Octopath Traveler yes, also has a stagger mechanic. Kind of like 15, it's not nearly as predominant as it is in 13, where if you don't stagger, you're never going to finish well, yeah, the game. Where the, the actual objective is to stagger. Yeah, then, like I don't yeah. think I ever actually staggered the Scorpion boss at the end of the demo. Yeah. Uh, Did you attack him while his tail was up? Like, I don't know. Like if, a noob? I don't know if that, <laughs> if that matters in the remake or not, because they didn't make it very obvious. And that's another thing I'm going to get into. But starting at the beginning anyway, it's just the bombing mission from the original game. Okay, so we have to say that since Final Fantasy Remake has been announced, I have seen Cloud on that train platform no short of 2,000 times. And this this mission into the Mako reactor and every trailer and every fucking thing they put out on this... So this demo is based on that, which is the opening 20 minutes of Final Fantasy yeah. 7. Yeah, so anyway, uh, it does the classic FF7 opening, zooming on airspace right. as she's looking at a pipe. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason. It's, she's a magic ship, man. Yeah. Uh, look fucking gorgeous. The uh, game she's is, Aerith yeah. in this, so it's non-canon. Yeah, sorry. Sorry to say <laughs> The game is absolutely gorgeous. The OST is very good. It's just like an orchestrated version of the original. I do hope when they do release the actual they game... They put the MIDI in? <laughs> no, they, they, they give you the option of using the original soundtrack. Like, right. for example, the Shinra HQ theme. I think anybody who played FS7 right. can imagine that in their head right now. Any it's, theme that's drum machine heavy in that game in the MIDI is just perfect. So, like... No the, need like to change The it. <laughs> Shinra HQ theme in the original game, if you played it, I'm sure you can picture it in your head right now. It's very electronic very industrial. Sure. And so in the remake, it's orchestrated. And I... I think I prefer the original because it has that like cold, hard, yeah. industrial machine feel. It to would it. be crazy to see the state of the art video game in 2020, and then the music kicks in, and it's like. No, but I hope it does. But that's why I say I hope they uh, <laughs> give the option just for certain cases. Anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, the game opens. Combat is more fun than 15 for sure. I think, in my opinion, so building up. 
you have to build up your ATB gauge, which yeah. you can do just regular over time, but you get increased through through attacking, through dodging, and through blocking. And these those actions do not affect your ATB. They, they don't use the gauge. No, they just build it up. So once yeah. you do build it up, you can use spells, items, or abilities. So, like, instead of Brayer being a limit break for Cloud now, it's just a regular ability. Whereas Cross Slash is his limit break now, for sure. now, anyway. Meteorain, um, baby. Yeah, so that's pretty neat. <laughs> like, you have to build up your stuff and play optimally to gain the most ATB that you possibly can. Okay. Yeah. Blocking and dodging are definitely, like, you think in this kind of game, I can just attack, 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 and keep going. You definitely do need some sort of blocking or dodging at some point. Like your health goes down quick. It's not. It's not a super easy game, especially the scorpion fight. The, the least used uh, function in any Final Fantasy game, the defend function. No, and that's what I like <laughs> yeah. about it is that it's actually making it somewhat of a necessity. So uh, the scorpion boss, for example, you're gonna get your fucking ass kicked unless you block and dodge at the right times. But this bleeds into a complaint I have. Mm. Uh, there's so much like lights and explosions and shit happening on the screen that there's not obvious windows like oh I need to dodge here oh oh I need to block here right like an action game might have like yeah. a Devil May Cry like like Devil May Cry or Dark Souls like giant monster lifts up their sword and they'll maybe wait a second or two and then slam down it's a big tell in this it seems like half a second and while everything's going on, that half a second might not even look like anything now because there's so much shit happening. So you at least control Cloud and Barrett in this demo, then, yes. And you're able to switch between them. Is the AI good of at getting out of the fuck out of the way? The AI will definitely stay out of the way, but they're not playing optimally as I'd like. Yeah. So I don't. See Are you th- able to optimize their AI? Are you able to tell not them that to hang I've back? Not seen yet, yeah. but like you don't even you have a- that's you don't even have access to the materia system yet oh in the demo. So. I can't believe this. Um, but from what I've seen, yeah. like the. The AI players won't get in danger, but they're also not super aggressive, so they're not going to be attacking. Did they rename the magic? Is it Blizzard? No. Instead of Ice? It, I didn't see it. It's just Fire okay. and Thunder. No. Except so, Cloud okay. started with Fire, which so is bullshit. Bolt, right? He started with be yeah, Bolt. He started yeah. with Bolt in the original, so that's horseshit. <laughs> so instead of having Bolt 2 and 3, you might have Thundaga, Thundara. Yeah. So, uh, Already ruined it the square. Voice <laughs> acting, the voice acting direction and the cutscenes are very similar to an FF15. Yeah. You're not going to see too much of a difference there, so it's not a negative or a positive in my opinion. It's just whatever. It's what I expected. Keep in mind when they started working on this game, it was fucking seven years ago. Yeah. Um, in any case, I really did enjoy it. Like, I had a lot of fun. I'd have no problem paying full price for this game because I know I'm probably going to get my money's worth out of it. But sure. I'm also not expecting this game to change the landscape. Or... But you do see you do see the, the issue on the road ahead that there are still very much people out there that think this is the complete story. And that if they're stretching out what what story there is there for, let's say, reasonably 40, 50 hours in this thing, uh, will people burn out on it in a way that, oh, wow, they're really taking their time with this. And then they hit credits and they're like, oh, fuck, and waiting seven years for the next installment. Um, Generally happy that Cloud is acting how he's supposed to be acting and he's not all fucking evil. Yeah, that they rewrote it and they kept him. They kept kept him how he's supposed to be. Yeah, Yeah. he's a bit cocky. He's a bit... uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like ambivalent? Oh, wow. Like he's, he doesn't really care, <laughs> but he's putting on an act. Um, they definitely push more the fact that there's something wrong with Cloud early on. So like in the original game, you might get like a quick flash at the Maka reactor and then right. later... Like, but now they have to because none of that's going to pay off. In yeah, this first now game. there's a yeah. few more before the Maka reactor. Yeah. So like Jesse's like, so are you and Tifa close? And oh then, my God. And then Cloud will be like, I don't know what sex is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who Tifa is. Yes, no, and yeah. <laughs> um, so that's why. Like, also Jesse yeah. is fuck new bay for sure. I got uh, I got some bad news about Jesse. I know. For you, I know. Uh, anyway, okay, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so the demo's available now, free to download. Was like eight gigs. Yeah, it's Jesus super quick. Christ. No, it's super uh, quick. Um, I so overall, I'd give it a fucking eight out of ten, probably. The, the demo. Yeah. Okay, we'll revisit in a month from now when you can play the full thing. See what it do. It's Listen, only a month. Yeah, it's April tenth. Well, it was supposed to be out today, wasn't it? Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and they delayed it. Uh, so yeah, we we were kind of talking last night. I played all of Crisis Core, like every hour or you could get out of Crisis Core. I have played, and that truly scratched the Final Fantasy remake itch. In that you are exploring all the environments from Final Fantasy VII redone on the PSP, and they look gorgeous on the PSP for like its time. Mm. That's a really good looking game. The combat was action based, but was almost lifted directly from Kingdom Hearts. 
Uh, so you are tapping to attack, light heavy attack, and then you have your uh, menu of magic that you just have an MP meter uh, to expend. And you just played a Zack in that game. Occasionally you'd have like a companion, but you only controlled Zack. Yeah. And the, the story led you through Midgar and led you through all these different areas uh, and retreads of uh, Final Fantasy VII. And then at the end they have the trailer of Cloud landing on the... They have basically what has been reworked into the beginning of the Final Fantasy VII yeah. remake, which is where the, the real rumors of them, oh man, they're going to do it, or that trailer got online and people were like, man, they're remaking Final yeah. Fantasy VII. And before I forget, there's actually something I forgot to mention. So to mix up the combat, instead of there just being abilities attacking and dodging and blocking, sure. everybody, everybody has <laughs> a, a unique gimmick to their triangle button. Okay. So Cloud will switch into something called Punisher mode, where he changes his stances. He's a lot slower, but he hits way harder as long as the target's close. So for Barrett, instead of having regular shot, he'll he'll have charge shot, yeah, which will consume any ATB he has built up. But in exchange, his damage will be way more extreme than a regular attack. Okay. So I'm I'm very excited to see what like Tifa and Aerith's gimmicks are basically too. So, like, Tifa might start doing kicks instead of punches or something. And that thing, I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Tifa would probably be funnest to play as, right? Just yeah. Punching the shit out of guys and monsters. I'm, and like, obviously, I'm looking forward to most uh, Sid because Sid's my favorite character. Well, you so. might be waiting up a to long fucking, fucking 14 years uh, for Sid to appear time. in the fucking game. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, generally positive. I'll, I'll play that through that demo. I was, I was talking to Nick here earlier, and I'm just like, it, it, it does nothing for me. Like, when they announced it, it seemed like an inevitability. I, we should, and the idea yeah. of a Final Fantasy VII remake. We should get out there on the pod right now yeah. that I'm a much larger Final Fantasy VII fan than Lee is. I'm a perfectly healthy Final Fantasy VII fan. No, I just, but I like it a lot more I, I don't know what we're supposed to get out of this remake other than, hey, it looks gorgeous, and the pacing is going to be at a snail's pace compared to the original. I don't know. I think it could be fun, and I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely, it could yeah. be fun. I think that as well. I just And I think... You could also tell me that this thing won't exist, and I I think if you're going to have to remake a game, FF7's a good one to make, because it has one of the best casts in all Final Fantasy. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, compared to eight, where everyone is interchangeable. If you no, if you're not Squall or Renoa or Laguna, you're <laughs> yeah. a fucking nobody. Yes. Um, <laughs> Remember yeah. Zell? Of course you don't. I do. He does backflips and he likes hot dogs, and That's he gives thumbs all you up. No, he's got a face tattoo. Yep. Cody Rhodes. Uh, <laughs> real quick, uh, my buddy's been playing a lot of Division Two because I told him it was on sale for four dollars, which it still is, or is until today, being yesterday when you hear this. Uh, that game is regular price seventy nine ninety nine, and they have some DLC coming out. And they really want to build a player base. Let me tell you something about Tom Clancy's The Division Two. Uh, the first game had more of an atmosphere, more of an ambience to it. They had the hype of the trailer. Uh, New York City as a place to explore just seemed more, because it was a quarantine zone, civilians kind of wandering around. It seemed more dangerous. It seemed like it was a more fully realized world. This takes place a few years beyond that. Uh, like, it almost has, like, when, when you stare at certain parts of this game, it looks like Last of Us. Uh, it's set in Washington, uh, D.C. There's overgrowth. There's, if I can compare it to anything, it's much like Washington. Uh, less civilians... Uh, and doesn't really have an identity. This this game is it's really... every Ubisoft game yes, ever. Yes, it's like third-person shooter du jour. Yeah. Uh, and what's really neat about it is the environments. So, like, while they don't necessarily mean anything, when you're like, oh, we have to go to the MLK library, you're like, this is going to be a sick eight-floor shootout in a library, and sure enough it is. And all these environments look very different. All these places they're taking to you uh, are really well-designed. Uh, the game looks incredible. Uh, if you are into guns... And as loot, like real world guns as loot, which I find boring uh, over time. This this could be the game for you, and it's much more fun with friends. Uh, you get a bunch of silly abilities. You're basically like some weird government clearance Batman. You've got drones and thermal detonators and all kinds of laser weapons, uh, all kinds of like weird shit at your disposal. Lightsabers, yeah, yeah, lightsabers more so uh, more so than you had in the first game. Um, but the story, the characters, everything around the outside of just exploring, looting, and shooting guys is really lacking here. Uh, and it makes it like a very average, average game. But for $4, uh, I highly recommend sure. trying it out with friends. Absolutely. Sure. All right. Animal Crossing on the GameCube continues to go strong. I'm uh, really, really pushing for it. <laughs> good for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, good for that. Uh, as of last Friday evening, uh, at the end of the week last week, GDC announced they were officially uh, postponing their event. Not canceling it. They're moving it to the summer or something like that. Uh, GDC Game Developers Conference in San Francisco is a great place 
uh, for indie developers, whatever people to get together, meet, make make uh, deals. Really, mate. Uh, we get the we get all the developers together. We make super developer. We make the super developer. Uh, Hideo Kojima was the first of them. Uh, anyways, uh, so after big names like uh, Microsoft, PlayStation, uh, EA pulled out of this thing, they thought it best to push it back, which is really at the detriment of the indies who were had made travel plans and are really maybe depending on this event to shit sign a deal to make their to get their game published. Whatever the case, uh, that will no longer be happening. So thanks a lot, coronavirus. Uh, but yeah, so that got postponed. Uh, this was one of the first events that people really started jumping off the bandwagon for. And now there's a lot of speculation of like, what does this mean for E3? What does this mean for all these other events? It means fucking nothing. Wash your hands and go about your daily business. Thank you very much. Uh, really quickly. So FIFA 20, which is a game that came out in September of last year, has such network issues that for an esports qualifier, because they couldn't get a stable connection... The matches were literally determined by rock, paper, scissors. So imagine you're a world-class FIFA player, and me and you are going to play. And instead of getting to play because of network connectivity issues, we rock, paper, scissors, and I just win. You go home. That's the end. <laughs> There's, this is uh, piggybacking on another story about a uh, streamer of FIFA who has been banned for the game in- indefinitely because of his, his conduct. People are so shitty in the esports FIFA community. I'm calling them all out right now. Uh, obviously... There's plenty of people who enjoy the game and, and go about it with respect. There's something about the, the high-level players, because the game has problems, admittedly, uh, kind of spitting back at EA about it and, like, this faceless corporation that just is going to take all that's coming to them uh, is really awful uh, and it needs to stop. It's, a, it's kind of based in social media. Uh, cut it out. If the game sucks, go, like, go play something else. You do not have to personally call out developers. Just don't play FIFA of your, so- in the first of your place fucking soccer, soccer game. Sucks. <laughs> Listen, obviously it's not a, a thing we visit every year. Obviously these network and stuff. Uh, EA notoriously and they just announced Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order was knowingly released with all those glitches and 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 game breaking stuff in it just because they needed to rush something out for that time period. EA does this stuff. And the best way you can combat EA being able to get away with this stuff is to stop playing their game. But if you're going to continue to play FIFA, fucking do it with some respect. No, for yeah, crying like, people are going to continue to buy FIFA and whatever, man. Whatever, man. Yeah, let's talk about good games. Baldur's Gate 3, baby. Fuck yeah. Woo! So a lot of people... So this. Oh, being, people are mad, are they? <laughs> well, this game's being mad. Uh, Gamers being, be mad. This game's being made by uh, Larian Studios, yeah. who made Divinity Original Sin 2. and Fuck Divinity yeah, they Divinity Original Sin 2 is one of my favorite games of all time. They, they have quietly been making the Baldur's Gate games that... People you, wanted. You've been looking for, just under a different name. Yeah, so. um, I probably have over 200 hours in DOS 2 across, like, two different playthroughs. Fucking great game. Immensely deep character. Like, we, have, we can't really go too deep into it. Immensely yeah. great game. Um, so, Baldur's Gate 3 is looking fucking great. Wizards of the Coast have, has basically given this game its blessing to use the D&D license. Yes, uh, like they're the, working with them yeah, directly. Which they do not do often. They haven't done since like the Atari age. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of faith in Larian, and it's well-deserved. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of uh, background in this in terms of dice rolls and things being determined in the way they would in D&D, which yeah. fans of D&D and Baldur's Gate are super excited about. Fans of just Baldur's Gate and, let's say, Diablo are a little upset that things are going, things are going to a turn-based... Uh, kind of action instead of the hack and slash I should, you shouldn't say hack and slash I no. would call it pausing active time combat it, like sure. if you play Dragon Age or Kotar it's that's what Baldur's Gate combat is like it's active but you can pause it and issue certain commands personally I don't mind at all I love turn based combat I much prefer it over active based for games like this so this yeah. is a total win for me but I can understand why, if you're a big hardcore fan of Baldur's Gate, you'd be upset they're not giving you exactly uh, what you want. If if freedom in RPGs to kind of uh, sculpt your character and the story is important to you, this is the game for you, though. Like, yeah. if uh, media basically got to sit down and play some of this last week, and it's like text options, there'll be nine to fourteen of them, or like yeah. uh, being able to use things in your inventory in a way. Uh, I think you were saying earlier, like gold isn't just for buying things. It's it's a leverage tool. It's a this, it's a that. You can take off your boot and throw it at an enemy. Uh, it, this D&D thing is... Uh, hopefully they... I mean, hopefully they, they keep that consistent through the whole game. It, it looks amazing so far. I'm very much looking forward to it. Unfortunately, it's not going to run on PS4, so rip. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's going to be PC and PS5 or... But by then, the PS5 will be yeah. out, so it'll be fucking whatever. be fucking whatever. Google uh, did a Pokemon of the Year contest... 
there's I'm not going to go into how they determine this, uh, but very uh, disappointing for Pikachu who scored under Mimikyu. Uh, so who the, gives a shit? he's he's <laughs> he's ro- risen above, and uh, Greninja is once again the best Pokemon, the sure. most popular Pokemon. The um, real best Pokemon's Crobat, but we won't get it. What's interesting about that is uh, Greninja's not in Sword and Shield, being the most popular. Pokemon Day, February 27th, uh, saw the release of a new mythical Pokemon in Gold, uh, sorry, in Sword and Shield, going back a few years there, uh, Zarud. If or he Zerude. doesn't learn Sandstorm, this is the biggest travesty in all uh, yeah. Pokemon. Big, big loss there. Uh, Dark <laughs> Grass type. Saw a guy make a flute out of a potato and then play Sandstorm once on YouTube. Fuck yeah, dude. Fucking good. So that's kind of the news for this week, is we want to make sure we have enough time to to close out near Automata. And then talk about the next game we'll be uh, Yeah, so here about. we fucking are. And uh, last week I was we were talking about side quests and stuff like that, and I mentioned the, the android with the leg. Uh, the thing I was going through there was the ship of uh, Theseus. It's the, the ship keeps getting its parts replaced. At what point is it no longer the ship it was? And I was trying to think of the actual term for that, and it was the ship of Theseus. Mm. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> so, we left off uh, with wanton uh, machine suicide uh, as A2 and Pascal yeah. uh, defend, uh, defend the factory against the Goliath. Uh, they return to find the hidden children have all committed suicide as they uh, experience fear thanks to Pascal. Pascal asks you uh, to either delete uh, his, her? Pascal's his. Her? His. Okay. Uh, memory, uh, kill Pascal, or or just leave. Uh, we kind of talked about what we each did there. That is it for A2 at this point in the third uh, playthrough of the game. Yeah, so 9S is next. What I think is really interesting is, like, you're playing A2 and you're automatically thinking, this is like so much better. Like, yeah. combat, hell yeah. 9S's part in Part C very much surprised me how much I ended up liking it more than A2. And yes. We'll get into that. Right? Uh, listen... Uh, we're going to talk about kind of at the end of all of this that there are themes and uh, the things where this game runs deep that we are not going to touch upon here. And I, as I put it to you, not that we can't articulate it, but it's a very different podcast if we're just running down. Here's this boss. This is what they're named. This is what they represent. This is what the real life equivalent. Uh, and this is why it's it's echo to the game. Yeah. Uh, and there's tons of videos on on YouTube that will do a much yeah, better or, job of that like than us. Nine S so. doing this is symbolic of this and stuff like that. Yes, and it's and it's not reaching. That's the thing about Nier Automata that when you start thinking about we started thinking about other games we're going to cover here is that on on this level and Yokotaro said it himself is the game is is nothing the game is just a means to put up an idea in the player's head yeah. and Nier Tomata is doing that at every turn on top of being an extremely fun game to play yes absolutely uh, which is why it's the, it's the it's the perfect package oh. 9S learns that there is a back door in the bunker uh, that allows but is this he's he's learning this while he's going through smaller towers though correct uh yes yes yeah. so it should be said that 9s at this point he's trying to figure out what the fuck do i do and right. a bunch of on his revenge towers. mission yeah he can't enter the main tower but there's a bunch of smaller towers so he figures i can probably enter the main tower if i yes. check out these other smaller ones hacking into them so he's going to the first you do one. hack into the doors of the towers right he forces his way in essentially they don't yes. let him in yeah. yeah so as he's going up these towers he's fighting enemies but also getting taunted by basically these ai systems his pods unlocking different secrets and telling it to him such mm-hmm. as what you were just talking about absolutely uh, so what in in order? What does he learn? Uh, that the old Yorha basically give way to the new Yorha by way of a back door in the bunker in which the it is wiped. Yeah, the, uh, it's they start new. It's letting yeah. the logic virus in from Eve yeah. into the bunker. Yes, which uh, is on intentional. Yes, yes, intentional. Uh, well, why would they be doing that? He also learns that androids and machines are made out of the same materials, which is just a little upsetting to Nine S. Uh, and that the uh, the main tower is uh, pointed towards the moon server and is currently set to destroy the human genome and any remnants of yeah. mankind. So we should get into a little bit of these here. So when they say that it's a backdoor for a new Yorha, yeah. it's implied that basically all the combat data is going to be saved over. Right. But all of this current Yorha generation is going to be completely wiped out for a new one, yes. seemingly a better one. And the cycle is going to essentially repeat again. Obviously, this huge tower pointing at the moon might change things, but we don't know if the current cycle we're on is the first one, 
is the hundredth one or anywhere in between there. The the implication of everything you see in the game is that it's more likely to be the thousandth cycle than the first, yeah, right? We don't really know. It's yes. definitely not the there's, first. There's implications throughout the game that say if you reload your save or die, that it is in fact a different cycle it when you reload. A different cycle yes. of Yorha units yeah. and that's already crazy. Um, I, well, in the first episode, we talked about the fast travel when, like, your consciousness just goes into a network and is loaded into another body. Yeah. What happens to the old body? What are you? Yes. You're just a consciousness. You're just um, an existence. So among that, which is also really interesting, is while Ninus is learning all these crazy things, he's climbing these towers. Mm-hmm. It's like not even phasing him anymore. No. I shouldn't say that because he's definitely reacting to it, but. If this was the same nine episodes before, he'd be like breaking down, crying, and losing his no, mind. He's, now he's, he's just losing his mind. That's it. He's yeah. just he's kind of just he's kind of just laughing at all that more and more yeah. absurd, crazy things are coming. to It's life. throwing fuel on a fire. Yeah, and yeah. he's just he's like, already on fire. He's like, I can't, I can't help but laugh that like all this shit has been happening. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, and it, it culminates uh, in in the showdown with A two, which we'll get to very very shortly. Yeah, uh, but A- when he gets to one of the top of the towers, he has to fight the old operator. Who has sure. come down and is now infected by the logic virus, and that's one of the last pushing points. Because just when you thought you found someone that you remember that there might be someone else out there, bam, they're also fucked. Now you got to yeah. get rid of them too. Yes, uh, he very much is alone. Uh, he, he's, he has all this information, nothing really to do with it at this point. As Two uh, B has has perished, he just really wants revenge. And is driven by that. There's there's nothing else driving this guy. He doesn't care about the truth there, about anything. But, whereas A2 does. Yeah, but yeah. there's still that little bit of curiosity to him in regards to the large yeah. towers pointing at the moon. Otherwise, he wouldn't be going. A, a lot of this tower. is for the benefit of the player, yeah. right? It's just like it's telling, it's filling us in. Yeah, but this uh, whole section of 9S going through these towers, learning these secrets, and generally losing his mind is one of the best parts about the game, in my opinion. It's fucking great. Uh, A2 and 9S find themselves in the big tower at the same time. Uh, there is a cutscene where those those twins uh, sacrifice themselves to allow you inside. Uh, this is where 9S has to fight the two BD units. Yes. Um, so 9S here has to fight a large amount so, of... So the tower is communicating with him via an AI based on human personalities from the moon. Yeah. It is taunting him uh, at this point. And as we've talked about 9S, he's fucking completely lost at this point. Uh, it is is taunting him. It is uh, asking him if he wants to fuck to be. Uh, and basically, from the point of view, of, it's almost like breaking down the fourth wall at the player, uh, just being like, I don't know what I don't know how to even uh, encapsulate this. You have to murder a entire wave of two B units. Uh, the thing that nine S like, yeah, it's the machines trying to say to nine S like, stop bullshitting yourself. Yeah, you're not here because you have some noble goal. You're here because you like not like yeah. in a you like buns, hun. Yeah, like you want to <laughs> fuck to be, and yeah. you just want to feel important and shit like that. And that's yes. fucking real, man. Uh, <laughs> so nine S yeah. just fucking starts losing his mind yes. because this machine is purposely saying two B units at him, like on purpose to fuck with him, and like he has to kill all of them. And by the time he gets to the last one, he's stabbing her repeatedly in the chest. Yeah. In the chest. Which could be symbolic for something, I'm sure, but it's more him just trying to outright deny all the things he's been faced with so far. He loses an arm during the fight, uh, tears off a nearby 2B arm to use. Uh, this immediately infects him uh, with the logic, with the logic virus. virus. He is able to hack himself and remove it. Well, um, a portion of it, at least. <laughs> yeah, enough to continue on. Yes. Uh, Machine Network's uh, conceptual personalities, I said, they question 9S, so the whole time that 9S is ascending this tower... Uh, they're basically questioning why he would be there, trying to fuck with him logically. Yeah. 9S has abandoned all logic at this point. He has one goal. Yeah. Uh, and that's really what pushes him forward. That's the only reason he makes it uh, through this. A2, also in the tower, finds a library. Uh, and basically another info dump on the aliens, the machines, uh, everything that's been happening, uh, the backup of the human genome. And then she's uh, about to learn, I think, a bit about herself. Uh, Machine Network... Uh, yeah, so the machine network has hacked itself all the way to the human server. Uh, the machines are receiving data from that. Uh, so now the Yorha, created by the humans, and the machines, created by the aliens, are both just perpetual, perpetuized. Like, this is how these machines are learning these things, basically. Yeah. This is why these machines are emulating uh, different parts of human history and getting it wrong, disconnecting from the network, and basically it's playing out the same way it did in real life, uh, which is kind of the the 
the chef's kiss of the game. Yeah, right? you uh, uh, not super important for the story, but A two also learns here that her unit was initially sent in literally just to fucking die and yeah. get combat data. Is big. Yeah, her existence was was exactly that. Was, was you are a test dummy to yeah. here to see what happens when we send you to the moon. That's why like her berserk power is a bit imperfect and she loses health. Right. And stuff like that. It's so, not super big for the overall plot, but uh, nice little... Interesting point here, and it's been something that's been happening for the whole Root C playthrough, is that the pod suggests to A2 uh, that she should play the personalities against each other by not fighting them. Yeah. Uh, control passes between 9S and A2 as you fight two machine bosses who have... Run. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. C- circle back to that. So, yes, sure. um, A2 at some point has to fight. She gets hacked, I believe. Yeah. And she is confronted with the overall AI of the machine network. But um, it's continually evolving because yes. it's such a sophisticated machine network. In the same way that Adam did when he came out of the Yeah, computer. and but yeah. now it's connected to human data, so it's evolving, evolving, growing yeah. emotion, and it's replicating because uh, it's evolving so much, and it's not just yes. a single entity. It's a whole network. So, so what, what it boils down to here, if you want to compare this to modern day, uh, is that A2 refusing to fight, the AI then turns on itself, each other. Because there's nothing else to fight. Yes. So one is just like, okay, well, let's destroy her. And then one of them's like, no, we, we, need we can her learn to more yeah, from we her. We need to evolve. To evolve. And then the other one says, well, no, she's a threat. She can end us. Yes. So it's... So without getting too political, uh, when, you, when you sit in your comfy armchair scrolling through Twitter... Uh, with no real problems, you're not actively at war with another nation. Things are kind of good. You can go to the corner store and buy yourself a loaf of bread, play video games, jerk off porn, whatever you want to do. <laughs> uh, but you have you have no real enemy. You have no no focus in that way. You create one, whether it's the people on the other side of the aisle from you politically, or it's people that are a little stranger to you from a few thousand kilometers away. You create that animosity, uh, and that's kind of what this is going for. Um, Anyways, uh, you're presented with two machine bosses, 9S and A2, uh, reluctantly, I guess, work together to take out these bosses in a really cool fight because it just swaps between the characters just really quickly with a quick glitch of the screen. Uh, at the end, they defeat these bosses, and here we are, the showdown. Oh, They're at the top oh, of the t- oh. tower. 9S and A2 are left alone. So before the fight, there's lots, I shouldn't say lots, but there's definitely a big revelation. One of my favorite moments is just... A2 trying to explain to 9S everything that's happened. Yes. And 9S at this point literally can't... Most interesting, A2 tells 9S, hey, there's a cannon pointed at the moon and it's going to destroy the rest of humankind. Something that 9S knows. And 9S just... Thro- <laughs> 9S just throws his sword down and just yells, shut up. Like, I... There's nothing that you could yes. say to me that's going to turn me away from this. In A2's last uh, attempt to get 9S to basically stand down and think logically, he reveals what 2B is. 2B is actually a 2E e unit. Uh, a unit that is designed specifically to kill 9S units. 9S units are highly intelligent AIs, and because of their curiosity, Yorha has discovered that 9S's inevitably figure all of this out. They yes. figure out that the humans are dead. They figure out the aliens are dead. They figure out that their entire existence is... Feudal, and that the 2B unit is always there to take him the out. The 2E unit. The 2E Which unit. Which is on a need-to-know basis as far yes. So it's never... The thing is about 2E, you never know in the game definitively if 2E knows that humans are extinct or not. Right. It's never said outright. It's implied that they know through the beginning of the game where she goes, glory to mankind, in a very disdained kind yes. of way. Um, but yes, this is why... At the end of the route A and B, how when uh, 2B's choking out 9S, she says it always ends this way. Yeah. Because she is always designed to kill 9S. Yeah. So just like we don't know how many Even cycles... when she cares for him, yeah. this is how it inevitably ends. So just yeah. how like we know we don't know how many cycles of Yorha units we've gone through to reach our current one. Yeah. We don't know how many 2B and 9S units there have been and how many times 2B's had to kill 9S. Right. Yes. Fuck it. Anime fight. Yeah, so 9S still at this point is just like, I can't. His pod even at this point, his fucking pod is pleading to him, like, this is not logical. You two fighting is not going to do anything to help anybody. And 9S just yells at his pod, cease all logical function, no more talking. Until one of us is dead. Yeah, Yeah. until one of us is dead. Two endings here. You either choose to play as A2 or 9S. A2 gives you ending C, 9S gives you ending D in uh, the, I believe this would be the A2 uh, one, she cuts 9S's arm and hacks him. The pod helps, finds the logic circus, uh, circuits, rather, and she sacrifices herself to save him. Yes. Uh, yeah. As uh, the, doesn't the tower crumble at this point? 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in the other ending, uh, A2 gets the upper hand in the battle and is about to strike 9S down, is paralyzed by the memory of 2B and the side quest like it's yeah it's the yeah. it's the mission she's been given by 2B or 2E I guess we should yeah. say which is to which is fucking crazy that a 2E unit would say to what, which is why it's relevant now yeah what, that her in her like dying a, breath a 2E she's like, unit her yeah. whole purpose is to kill 9S and the last mission she gives to her successor essentially is protect 9S right uh, in her moment of uh, her, her lapsed moment uh, 9S is able to stab her Falls upon her on on two B sword. Yeah, and killed, uh, because he finally achieved his revenge. It killed him literally and figuratively. Yes, nine uh, S informed by the network, the tower will uh, not launch an arc. Uh, okay, so now we're just going into the final. Uh, no, and, this happens in ending D two. Okay, cool. So what uh, when nine S is essentially losing consciousness, the machine collective that's in the tower is saying. Hey, we're not going to blow up the moon anymore. Instead, oh, <laughs> yes. Instead, we've collected the human genome and all the human data we could out of the bunker. We combine it with our machine data and everything we had, or we're going to launch an arc to a new a planet, peaceful arc, a peaceful arc, yeah. and hopefully we can create a newer, better. Place hopefully, there. we can make a near automata too. Yeah, I think it's- <laughs> and they ask nine S, like, do you want to add your data here and yeah. essentially come with us? And you have the choice to say yes or no. Beyond that, it has no effect to the game. So you've done these four endings to the game, uh, but you do it one more time. Uh, and I think you can choose either character at this point. doesn't matter which one. Uh, you get ending E after doing all the others. So uh, the same thing plays out based on who you choose. Yes. And the, the credits begin. The credits are quickly interrupted by the two pods uh, as they uh, discuss that all Yorha black boxes are offline. The logic virus has worked its wonders. Everyone is dead. All the Yorha androids are dead. It's time to do a new Yorha generation. It's time to start over. Before they can start over, 9S, 2B, and A2's data is on the loose. They cannot track it down. It's it's in the ether, so to speak. Uh, The pods disagree at this point uh, with continuing the cycle of the Yorha. And they say they feel kind of cheated and they don't want it to end like this. So in the background of all this, these pods that have had the same agency as all these other characters in the game are also making their own decisions now and deciding like... Well, this is fucking unsatisfying. We we could we could fuck this we could fuck this up. Yeah, we could uh, bring back their bodies and give them back their memories and bring them back to life. Essentially, these three characters: A two, yeah. B two uh, B, and nine S. So at this point, uh, they say that salvage, salvaging the data will be risky and lets you choose yes or no. Will you yes, will you attempt because, to save this? Because the whole point yeah. is they might just repeat what already happened. Right. Uh, Choosing yes, you engage with the true final boss, which is a bullet hell segment uh, in which you are playing as a little hacking triangle, shooting at orbs uh, as they come flying through you through a black space, including I, the, uh, the the credits themselves. The credits, you have to the fight very them. makers of the game. You are fighting back. Yeah, uh, you'll become you become very uh, aware very quickly uh, that this is impossible. Uh, there are so many orbs on the screen; you repeatedly die. Uh, and somewhere around the, I, I don't know the exact number. I want to say like it's almost like a dozen deaths. It starts giving you the option. Uh, do you want to give up? Is this it? Yeah. So the game uh, constantly is pausing during this and taunting you, basically asking you, "Hey, give up. You're, you're dead. You want to yeah. give up? You want to just watch the credits? Uh, is it all pointless? Is another one? Yes, no. Uh, do you think games are silly little things? In which case, you have to answer no. Uh, as you continue to die, uh, eventually it asks if you want help. Do you want help? Like, well, this is weird. I've died 12 times. What's this all of a sudden? It's like Dove May Cry when they kick you down to easy mode if you die too much. Uh, like, and you're yeah. like, yeah, I guess. Suddenly, in messages of encouragement written by actual other players pop up on the screen. The music swells to include the, the developers, of- uh, multiple people singing in different languages uh, it's to playing, join in the chorus of this game. It's playing the song called Way of the World, which is fucking beautiful. I recommend you go yeah. out and check it out on YouTube. That's all you need to know about the lyrics. <laughs> uh, and your ship itself is joined by the little ships, let's say. And this isn't this isn't AI, like, I guess it's technically AI, but these are representations of other people in the world also playing near Automata. Yeah. That even though this is fucking pointless, there's no point in fighting against these credits. Like, you find meaning in fighting it with other people. You yes. join in. As you're joined by other players, and it, it goes like a dozen or more players at this point, uh, when you are hit, they die in your place and allows you to continue going yeah, forward. Yeah, and you keep getting messages of encouragement while you're doing yes. this. Like, you can Especially do it. Especially if pointless. you die. Yeah. If you manage to die after this point, the entire screen fills up with messages from other players telling you, like, yeah. it, hey, keep fucking going. Keep doing it. Keep yeah. going. You can do this. Uh, 
Anyways, at the end of all of this, you say yes, uh, and you see the pods rebuilding the androids. A future is not something that is given to you. It is taken for yourself. The fifth and final ending of Nier Automata. And at this point, it is left up to your own imagination what happens with these three characters. And then it also asks you, so while you were doing those credits, all those players that helped you deleted their save data. They got rid of all of their data of the game just to help you so they could push you through the game. Yeah, so this is a trope that was used in the Nier, uh, yeah. the original game, to save your, your loved one in that game. It's also something that was stolen by Kingdom Hearts 3 and done fucking awful compared to this, by the way. Yes. That's, and that's Square Enix stealing from itself, just yeah. by the way. So uh, if you select yes, all of your save data, everything you did, you'll never be able to do New Game Plus or anything like that. Yeah. All of it's gone because you delete your save data to help someone else that's also in this credit segment that's getting yeah. their ass kicked. You get to leave your own message uh, and your save is completely and, deleted. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Deleting your story adds to theirs. Yeah. And it's... Okay, so that's that leads into basically the end of the conversation on your Automata is like, there is so... We just like summarized the story... Digging a little bit into things that we felt particularly passionate for. Everything in this game... Uh, Has such deeper is, meaning. ...is meant to evoke some thoughts in you uh, beyond the, the game itself. Between the side quests that set up and spoil things in the main story. And you only realize after you get to that point what those side quests were preparing you for. Uh, to, like we said, the names of the bosses and characters in the game. Um, what they represent. Like, uh, I recommend How Near Automata Tells the Ultimate Humanist Fable by Michael Saba on uh, YouTube. 45 minute video. Uh, but he digs into all of these things that I'm yeah, talking about. But I think if we had to put it very simply, because I'm not like an English major or anything like that, I, I have a hard time <laughs> putting into words how I feel about certain things. Yes. Yeah, so, but what the main thing I would say Near Automata is trying to convey, at least to me, is even though the world and life might be scary, sometimes it might seem fucking pointless and shitty. We can find happiness and meaning with other people. Yeah, so philosophically it's about uh, existentialism. Yeah. Uh, and f- finding that... Finding meaning There in is life, no meaning in life. But you have to find and, it. And then finding it for yourself. The future like, is not something given yeah, to you. You have to fucking you grab have to it. You have to take it. Yeah, take that shit. Yeah. Uh, on top of just being a phenomenal action JRPG... Uh, Near Automata, st- when you finish this game... It sticks with you. you. You're like waking up in the morning and like brushing your teeth and you're just like, fuck, that like, was heavy, well, sh- yeah, that was heavy shit. Uh, on top of the performances of the characters themselves near the end of the game, which we we didn't even really touch on, the just the, the Ninas screaming his fucking head off just looking for revenge yeah, uh, and, and contrasting that between his curiosity at the beginning and at a certain point so innocent and pure yes and at a certain point this information uh, and it, it's meaningless to him it's growing up it's, yeah. it's, it's growing up it's like when you enter adulthood yes. and you realize what the world actually is and you're just like what the fuck like, uh, he learns that existence is shit he finds some meaning in revenge and anything given to him after that uh, it just and falls on getting years. revenge yeah. literally kills him. It yes. literally fucking kills him. What a game! What a, what a, what a, what a season! Uh, if you are interested in Nier Automata, I, I urge you. I implore you yeah. uh, to go to go play it. Go listen to the OST. Uh, something that we didn't really get across in the podcast uh, because of you know copyright strikes and stuff like that. We didn't want to play the fucking OST while we we're talking about it. Uh, <laughs> but go listen to City Ruins. Go listen to Way to the World. Uh, Memories of dust. Yeah, wretched weaponry. It's all good, and the it's idea and the idea that these these themes uh, that you hear again and again change. If you finish a quest, there's a different version of the song that plays, uh, and the the OSTs, the most memorable, maybe best OST in recent history, if not ever. Yeah, I'm being, it's, I'm, it's, no hyperbole. Yeah, there's no hyperbole. <laughs> it's that fucking great to have to have music play such a vital role. They made eight the... bit versions of every song. Yeah, <laughs> so on top of it, we didn't even mention that when you're <laughs> hacking as nine S, it's uh, an eight bit. The sound. music seamlessly goes from what you're the, the orchestrated yeah, to an eight bit version of it, and you're constantly swapping. They created a that. fucking language just to make these. Songs. They created a future French Japanese language to to sing all the lyrics in. It's goddamn uh, great. There's a lot of attention to detail in this game, uh, and as Yoko Taro, Taro put it, uh, the game is just it's just a tool. The game is nothing. If I can put an idea in the in the gamer's head, uh, then I've done my job. That's that's what makes him an auteur. Uh, that I think is very much worth celebrating. Yes. And Hideo Kojima, the opposite of what he is. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not saying Hideo Kojima is bad. I'm no. saying on a spectrum 
of of video game auteurs, these two gentlemen are on the opposite sides of yeah. the fucking room. And like, there's a time and place for a game like Doom 2016. Yes. And there's a time and place for a game like Near Automata. And yeah. I, that's what I fucking love about video games. There's so many ways and things you can do with it. Is is yeah? Is a crazy wide world out there, man. It's it's wild. It's fucking wild. <laughs> the weight of the world. Yeah. Uh, but we have to sum it up. So that was Near Automata. Uh, we, uh, Shit, man. This that game's gonna come up in conversations for the rest of this podcast history. Yeah. It's just how it is. Very curious to see where they move forward with that. I hope whatever comes next for Nier is something completely unrecognizable. Yeah. Uh I want to know. I don't even want it called Nier. Just yep. but but now that it's under the, the next Eurotano game. Yes. Whatever it is, uh we're here for it. Yeah. We're waiting. But how <laughs> the fuck the fu- like him and Corey Balrog having released two I use the word masterpieces. No, I would uh, say masterpieces. In God of War and Nier Automata, how the fuck do you follow those games up? Like, God of War at least yeah. seems a little more obvious, where it's just like, more of that. But Nier, uh, from a... from a Like, artistic standpoint, yeah. how do you fuck. how do you follow up the Mona Lisa? Yeah. <laughs> you wrote American Pie. Where do you go from there? <laughs> Name another Don McLean song. I can't. No, it, uh, like, it's going to be like a Dark Knight Returns sort of situation. It's like, yeah, that was good, yeah. but it wasn't no fucking Dark Knight. And and the fact remains that now that Nier Automata has been a critical uh, success... And a somewhat commercial success. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, how, how does Square Enix's fingers get into what happens next for the series? Because... This very much has to be a project that needs to be left completely in the hands yes, of the creator. Absolutely. Uh, and like I said, when you're saying that, if you're going to leave something in Hideo Kojima's hands, you're going to get something. If you're going to leave something in Yokotaro's hands, you're going to get something completely yeah. different. Uh, but we're not. This is not to foreshadow us talking about Metal Gear Solid, which will eventually happen yeah, on this yes, podcast, probably. inevitably, uh, because there's some good shit in yes. Metal Gear Solid. Yes, there is. Um, but next, uh, we're going to talk about. What I feel is the best game of of its generation in terms of a role playing game set in a world uh, that I'm already very fond of. In my yeah. personal opinion, the penultimate first person RPG. Sure, yeah. I was going to say a Bethesda like, like when you think of Oblivion, Skyrim, Fallout, blah blah blah. But we're not talking about one made by Bethesda. We're talking about a little Obsidian joint called Fuck yeah. Fallout New Vegas. Will be oh baby, oh baby is our next uh, our next game. We will dig into Fallout New Vegas next week. We're going to talk about the characters. We'll run through the main story quests, some of the side quests, DLC. Uh, talk about all the different options and the freedom that the game gives you. And just like this conversation, if it goes four episodes, so fucking be it. It's our show. Yeah, that's how it fucking works. Thank you for listening to the Public Beta Podcast or signing up, as I like to call it, for myself, Lee, and for Reed. We'll talk to you again next week.